Welcome aboard, Captain. Back to the Star Trek Minute, the semi-daily podcast where we analyze and discuss Star Trek. I almost said Star Trek Six, Star Trek Four, <laughs> The Voyage Home, one minute at a time. I'm one of your co-hosts, Chris LaSalle. I must be your other co-host, David Zoger. Hey, Dave. Chris. Hey, hey. Here we are. Uh, mm. We're talking about Minute Six. Minute Six of Star Trek Four. These are the single digits. The early minutes really mess me up. Yeah. Because I want to say Star Trek Minute, minute three. Six. Yeah. Star Trek Four. Right. Not Star Trek Three. Not minute four. Right. Minute six, Star Trek four, the voyage mm-hmm. home, the one with the whales. How many people do you talk to when you talk about Star Trek four? Do they say, is that the one with the whales? <laughs> <laughs> I don't know if I, maybe that's just us that just sort of refer to it. I, I mean, I don't know. I was talking to my brother not too long ago and I had mentioned that we were, you know, doing the new season and mm-hmm. he's like, Oh, which one are you doing? And, uh, I said, "Oh, Star Trek Four. and he said, "Oh, the one when they go in, back in time." Oh, back in time. And I said, "And I said, yeah." I said, "That's the one with the whales." He's like, "Oh, yeah, that's right." So I don't know. I don't know if this one's known more for the whales or if it's for time travel. Oh, okay, interesting. I would have said it's the one with the whales. Hmm. Of course, then you say, "Well, what, what's what's number five? What's five? Is that the one with Spock's brother? What, what would you say about five? Is that the term? Yeah, I would one? say, yeah, yeah, Spock's brother. Is that the one with the campfire? Row, row your boat. Oh God, is that in, in is that in that one or in six? Oh no, that's in that one. Oh my God, no wonder. Okay, because that's like one of my least favorite scenes in Star Trek. Oh, it's it is. It's also my least favorite movie, so that's another reason not to like that movie. Horrible. Wow. Okay. Sorry, guys. We're back. Star Trek Four: <laughs> The Voyage Home, Minute Six. Hmm. Minute Six starts with the Klingon ambassador Camarag finishing a previous sentence. Uh, Real plot and intentions is what he was uh, trying to finish up. Mm-hmm. And ends a minute later with Sarek, Sarek of Vulcan, asking, your vessel did destroy USS Grissom in a condescending way? <laughs> it's like a questioning statement. Yeah. He's very... Vulcans can, Vulcans can get away with this, right? They can be... Oh, yeah. They can be sarcastic without, you know, with just saying, well, I'm not sarcastic because I don't have emotions. You know, that's a... So that's just the way I talk. <laughs> but they're very passive aggressive sometimes. Um, so yeah, what do we got? Um, more of Camarag freaking out. Mm. I I didn't, you know, he's given a speech here, right? You know, even as this Federation was negotiating a peace treaty with us, and uh, I like the continuity because I had kind of forgotten. There's uh, Krug did the same thing. Um, yeah. In in search for Spock, he had said something when he was talking to. Uh, and malts mm. you know uh, charming you know that whole that whole speech and he yep. mentioned the same thing that uh, that there was a peace treaty being negotiated so uh, I like the thread that it's uh, they connect to mm. so they they think that the Genesis planet is a secret base from which to launch the annihilation of the Klingon people right man and he demands the extradition of Kirk and justice so they um yeah, they put it all on Kirk's shoulders. Yeah, why not? I mean, yeah. You know, they say Kirk was secretly developing the plant, the torpedo conceived by Kirk's son and test detonated by the Admiral himself. 
However, a, a series of Kirk was not even remotely involved with anything relating to Genesis. Period. Like he, if let's go back to Rathacon, he doesn't even know what Genesis is. Mm-hmm. And I, I, I think I mean it, I get I, I get they're trying to tie you know they're. They're trying to tie it all together, you know. Yeah, we know that Kirk's son helped develop the, the torpedo, and yes, Kirk was there when the planet was created mm-hmm. and then destroyed. Um, but I don't know. I, I Slop, think sloppy. Uh, yeah, why not use this as a you know? Why not use this as a uh, throw it at Starfleet? Or, or maybe, yeah, or is he yeah, just being? Yeah, let, let's get into the you know intergalactic politics here. Mm. Right, so maybe the Klingons, you know, they, they, you know, the Klingon High Council, you know, told Camrag, like, look, we're in the middle of these peace negotiations. It's going pretty well. We got some give and take. We still got to work through. We can't be throwing all this Genesis stuff into the mix because it's just gonna, you know, we're never gonna get this deal signed. Right. So here's what we need you to do. We need you to just blame one guy. Let's throw it on this Kirk dude. So this way, we're not blaming Starfleet as a whole. We're just blaming Kirk. Right, so mm. we can still keep doing our negotiations, but we just get, you know, we're gonna we're gonna just pin it on this guy. Do you think that's a? I just came up with that. So is that that valid? I mean, I guess that's I guess that's valid. I mean, I guess from there, and this line's gonna come up a bunch of times. From Klingon's point of view, I guess they sort of that's how they see it. But I mean, they're taking a huge leap. Oh yeah. Um, you know, saying that the planet was, uh, you know, they were gonna use it. I mean. Let's go back to Star Trek Three. Okay. What did Krug? What did Krug think this this was? He thought it was a weapon. A weapon. Yep. However, we, you know, in talking through the movie, we thought he was like more of a rogue dude, and he was sort of off on an island thinking about this, and he wanted it for himself more than, you know, the the, the glory of the Klingon people. Right. Yep. So, was it a common? belief amongst the Klingon people that Genesis was indeed a weapon? Uh, maybe so. I, it's 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 very interesting that it, now that you say that because, well, now, one, that there could be so many interpretations of it, right? There's right. obviously what it was designed for, which was mm. to, you know, create planets and solve, you know, natural resource issues. Uh, there's a planet killer point of view that Krug had, right? And now... Camarag is saying that well, this is now they can they can just build a secret base on this new planet mm. they just created, right? So there's all these different interpretations yep. of it. Um, so which leads to a lot of people. A lot. Well, my point was sorry where I was going. Yeah. Uh, was it David? Mm. David Marcus. David Kirk. Whatever you yep. want. Whichever side of the fence you want to be on. Uh, he's more aligned with the Klingons than his own mother. Right, he thought the military was out for this. You know, it was going to be perverted, yep. and he had the same fears as like everybody else. Um, I just find that interesting. Mm. So, speaking of continuity, uh-huh. um, so Camarag is saying the result of this awesome energy was uh, euphemistically called the Genesis Planet, a secret base from which to launch the annihilation of Klingon people. Do they not know that Genesis blew up? Do they not know the events of? So last oh, minute, we, yeah. so we sort of t- we t- we sort of talked about like, um, you know, Kirk's on Vulcan. You know, someone from Vulcan had. You know, we talked about whether or not they know where yeah. Kirk is, what's right. happened, and you know, I sort of 
supposed that someone from Vulcan had already contacted Earth and you know let them in that Kirk's here. This is what happened. But the comment here sort of leads you to believe that they don't know yet what has happened. Mm. Maybe? Or is this just sort of saying, hey, they launched the torpedo. They originally created a planet called Genesis, um, and they were going to use that as a base, even though we know – Unspokenly, it's it's already blown up. Right. So, are you are you theorizing right now that this scene, this moment, this what we're watching right now is is could be happening? Uh, yeah, during while Kirk's while, on the planet. Right. Yeah. I suppose we don't really have a good sense of you know. However, how time elapsed. Again, uh, we don't. Again, yeah, we don't know how much time has elapsed. But our next guest in the tribunal room here is Sarek. Who was on Vulcan when they got back? So oh, yeah, okay, this has go. got to take place. This has got to take place after. So, mm, yep, yeah. Sarek doesn't say stay put, does he? He's planet hopping constantly. He just beamed over. <laughs> I think the Vulcans have that technology. They're just sharing it with the Earth. Well, speaking of Sarek, before we get to Sarek's uh, mm. uh, reveal. Right, his, his yep. moment. Um, I want to jump back to the script. Um, mm. So in this in the script, uh, while all of this is going down, while Camrag is on his tirade and he's showing <clears throat> showing the the footage, you know that we don't know where they got it from. Um, yep. They're in the script. There, this scene is cutting back and forth with another scene, um, and starts with uh, you see someone's feet walking down a hallway. Um, and it pans up, and it's it's Sarek, but he walks up to Commander Chapel, mm. um, so a former nurse Chapel. Uh, what was she? Was she? Was she? She's a doctor now. She's a mm-hmm. commander. Yeah, so she's now Commander Chapel, uh, and she she greets Sarek. She's the one who greets Sarek. She says, "Thank you for coming. Thank you for coming. It's not going well." And Sarek asks, "Am I too late to testify?" And Chapel says, "I don't know." And then they they turn and they start walking toward the council chamber. Um, so again, cuts back and right. forth. Um, they arrive inside the chambers unnoticed uh, in time to see the footage of the Enterprise yep. blowing, blowing up. And they, they, there's a, supposed to be a shot where, they wa- where they're watching it kind of in disbelief, you know, in awe mm. of what they're seeing. So it would have been... So that kind of what I was asking about uh, in the last episode you know, is it possible people in the room haven't seen any of this before? Right. It's it's confirmed in this shot that at least Sarek and Chapel have not seen these events, and so they're watching it for the first time and like, oh my gosh! And I would have loved to have seen it <clears throat> because uh, one of my favorite moments from Search for Spock is when the Enterprise uh, came back in a space dock, and we saw, you know, well, woman in cafeteria, you know, Rand. Mm. Kind of stand up and be like, "Oh my gosh!" Looking at the beat up, you know, the beat up Enterprise and all the destruction, right. and you know, just that look yep. on her face. And I, I, I can imagine Chapel having a very similar kind of reaction to seeing the Enterprise actually being destroyed. Um, and I would have liked to have seen that moment on screen. Mm. Yeah, it would have um, would have been interesting, but I think it would have blown the reveal. Absolutely, yes. Like, sir, yeah, because clearly we would have known he was there, but. And I and I 
as much as I would have liked that, I like this reveal better where the Klingon is going on, you know, we demand extradition of Kirk. We demand justice. And, you know, Sarah comes in and, you know, says Klingon justice is a unique point of view, Mr. President. <laughs> He's not even speaking to the Klingon. He's like speaking to the president of the Federation. Um, and I will say if the, the, you can actually you can see Chapel in that shot. Um when, when the camera like switches angles and Sarek is mm. walking down between all the people seated, uh, Chapel is standing at the at the back of the room. Oh, I don't think I've ever noticed that. No, I haven't either. There. I didn't. I you, you would have just thought it was just another officer or something, but that's right. That's her. So they clearly must have may have filmed that scene. Yeah. With uh, Chapel and uh, Sarek walking down the hall. Yep. So. As Sarah, when Sarah, with the Sarah's reveal, right, his voice, you hear his yep. voice, you know, Camrag is looking off across the room like, what is this? And then you get a couple reaction shots, some close-up reaction shots. Uh, and, you, and you hear people going, it's Sarek. Oh, you do? Yeah, oh, there's a couple of yeah, there's a couple of people off, you know, you just hear as they're sort of muttering and someone says, it's Sarek. Oh, I didn't catch that. Um, yeah. But, uh, well, the first reaction shot, we see a couple people that we saw uh, last minute but they were kind of blurred out. Uh, it's a gentleman in like the, I don't know, they look. They look almost Native American. I was going to say, yeah, Native American, yeah. Uh, and then the guy uh, to the left of them, he's like purple. Looks like he's, he's purple with a really bad wig. He looks like he's from Civil War era. Yeah, from his uniform? Yeah, his uniform yeah. looks really weird. Yeah. So I don't know who he's supposed to be. Um, but I just like that his, he looks like he's got a crazy fake wig on. Um and then the second, uh, the second reaction shot is, you know, there's a Vulcan woman, there's what looks like a human woman, and then there's the two, uh, <laughs> two robots, <laughs> two robots, which, uh, my note was, uh, they look like the computerettes from the Sergeant Pepper Lonely Hearts Club band movie with the <laughs> Bee Gees. Um, I also scribbled down Daft Punk, but that's, that would be, they don't have no hair. They literally look like they're wearing welder faces, like yeah. welder masks. Yeah, and they're not, those aren't, there's not people in there. Those are like, you can tell their heads are like turning on sticks. Mm. <laughs> it's pretty bad. Um, but now I have a question for you. The There's a bald gentleman two seats down. Is that the same guy we were talking about with that had the hat on earlier? No, this is on the other side of the room. It is, okay. Yes, so there's... You know, as Sarek's walking down, as we fast forward like two seconds, yeah. on the left-hand side is our blue Andorian, the Wolfman, and then Egghead, oh. the Vulcan Lady, <laughs> and then near the front of the two sort of Native American-looking. I mean, it's hard to. Yeah. I don't want. I don't want to be stereotyping and saying things that are. Yeah, no, no. I know what you're saying. That's. Um, but I think on the right-hand side are where the robot people. Or no, actually. They're behind them. They're behind them in, on the, um, in the middle. Yeah, yeah, you're right. Okay, yeah. so it's not the same guy. Yeah, so it's not yeah. not the same guy. But I had in my notes that the bald guy is at a Delta, so I am wrong. No, I think he's a Vulcan because uh, – What? Actually, no, he's not a Vulcan. It made me think he was a Vulcan because he's sitting next to a Vulcan, but some of the Vulcans during the thing the uh, were bald. Oh, okay. So I thought – Upon initial glance, I was like, oh, that's just another Vulcan. But you're right. He's, he's not a Vulcan. Okay. So he's not a Vulcan. Yeah. He could be a Delton. I don't know. Delton. Just uh, turning everybody on because he doesn't have his yeah, maybe. on. So, yeah, Sarek's here. Hooray. 
Do you he's, like Sarek? We like we like Sarek, right? He's pretty. We like Sarek. Yep. Yeah. When yep. he shows up, he's he's cool. He's a cool guy. Mm-hmm. But yeah, he's all over the place. Um, he's on Earth. He's on Vulcan. He's on Earth. He's on Vulcan. I mean, how long does it take to get from here to there? I wonder. Apparently, not long. Again, the whole concept of time here. We don't know how long they've been on. You know, Spock's been resurrected, and how long? You know, he did he immediately leave? Um. From Vulcan to come here because he knew that um, he knew that Kirk and them were, you know, in, in a lot of trouble to save his son. I guess you think, though, you know, when his son, son is, uh, you know, just come back to life, you'd want to stay by right. his side, you know, as much as possible. But maybe that maybe that should give us hope that oh, if Sarek is, you know, comfortable enough leaving Vulcan, then Spock must be okay. Yeah. yeah so yeah, that's it. <laughs> yeah, the last thing you know, Sarek had said, you know, you know, uh, Kirk was had asked what about Spock, and Sarek had said, uh, only time will tell, you know. Uh, but I thank you what you've done, and he's like, what I what I did, I you know, I had to do, mm-hmm. and you know, they have this little exchange, but yeah, what happens sort of after, right? So can we talk about the? There's a line in here in this minute, <clears throat> the. After Sarek, you know, starts, you know, being all philosophic, Klingon shed the first blood and creation of yep. life, not death. Um, and the and Kamarak says, you know, the Vulcans are the well-known as the intellectual puppets of this federation. Mm. I, I really like that. Um, mm. And I feel like this is, this is like comes to life. We only really see this, well, this is my opinion. The, the, only t- the only time we really see that, uh, happening, I think, is in Star Trek Discovery. Mm. Um, that uh, you know, they seem to be they use them politically or or what. I, I, right. It, it's just interesting because it's a very like a hostile opinion, right? Oh, the, mm. you know, the Vulcans. But I feel like you only see that kind of relationship between the Federation and and Vulcans in in Discovery, and and I can't recall seeing it in any other you know. Well, there's well, I think, or, but, well, I think in Enterprise, I think I think in Enterprise, it was uh, that's a big thing, you know, because Enterprise yeah. happens right after the whole Zephyr and Cochran thing, mm-hmm. and who do they meet first? But are the Vulcans? So I think that relationship. I didn't watch too much of Enterprise, so I can't really speak to um, the relationship. So I don't, I, I can't really answer your question or comment on your response to say, yeah, maybe maybe the Vulcans had the upper hand you know they they had already achieved you know well that's, warp, warp technology and we're the infants and we just achieved warp technology kind of thing so well that's the yeah that's archer's captain archer's <clears throat> complaint through i'm actually <clears throat> watching enterprise right now so that's his big complaint uh is that the vulcans are always are seem to be seem to be constantly holding humans back you know they don't want them out in space yet, right and they don't think they're mature enough or have evolved enough and uh, and i've never watched enterprise shame on me bad tricky i haven't yeah. watched enterprise all the way through um so i don't know if that ever changes i mean i know the right, generation yeah. planets get, you know gets created during enterprise and um but i don't know when the this whole the the Vulcans are the puppets, you know, Vulcans are just, mm. you know, the smart guys in the background kind of whispering into the president's ear or whatnot. I, right. I really only got a vibe of that in, in Discovery, which again is in the past. Um, so maybe that's, uh, I wonder if the writers of Discovery kind of 
took a cue from this line here because it's a, I don't know, it's a striking line. It right. definitely implies mm. things that like, ooh, you know, intrigue. Well, I, I definitely believe I, I'm really liking the dialogue so far. Um, the way it's written, um, I felt like, and I'm comparing movies here, you know, with Star Trek Three because it's the one we just did. Mm-hmm. The beginning of the movie versus the beginning of this movie, I feel like are just they're they've evolved so much in terms of, and, and I said graphics. I think the sets look better. Um, the dialogue I feel is better. The way it's acted better. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I felt like the the, the commander of the Grissom, he was kind of hamming it up a little bit, and um, you know, David at the beginning, That's and right. I just, right. I feel like they learned lessons, like like Nimoy learned lessons from doing that movie. As big of a success as it was monetarily, I feel like they are like, he's like the lighting, all that kind of stuff, is now translating into a much better put together movie. Again. We're early in the movie, you know, we're only six minutes in, so I'm not going to, like, say this is better or worse than Star Trek Three at this point. But at this point, I feel like it's better. And I think the dialogue shows. I mean, comments like Last Minute, the quintessential devil, you know, Camerag's diatribe is so much better, I feel like, than some of the things that Krug had said. Oh, yeah. Yeah, for sure. Um, and... You know, and the dialogue that Sarek has always been, you know, even way back when, he, he's just been a fantastic actor uh, and, and playing Sarek. Yep. But the one line that always, the one line that always sticks out to me in this entire minute, and uh, particularly Sarek says it, and he says, Klingon justice is a unique point of view, and it always makes me think of Return of the Jedi. Return of the Jedi? How so? Um, so Jedi came out in 83, this came out in 86, oh, yeah. and the reason why it makes me think of it is when Obi-Wan comes, Luke is back on Dagobah, Yoda just dies, Obi-Wan comes out, and he says, from a certain point of view, and they use that line, it's one of those lines that they use over and over again. Oh yeah, yep. And it just makes me think of, here's the aged old wizard, he comes in, <laughs> You know, Klingon justice is, you know, from a certain point of view. And I just, it just makes me always relate back to what Obi-Wan tells Luke. I got it. Absolutely. It's just one of, it's just one of those, it's, it's a me-ism. It's something I think of, and I don't know if anyone else thinks that way, but every time I hear him say that, that's, my mind goes back to that moment in Return of the Jedi. A certain point of view. Right now, that's all I'm going to think of. So yes, well done. (laughs) Thanks for putting that in my, my ear. Sorry. No, not at all. Well, on that note, then, uh, did you have anything else uh, for the minute? I don't think so. I think, um, like I said, I'm really, I'm really digging the beginning of this movie. I mean, um, and I'm already, I already want more. Excellent. Well, you got more. There's still like a hundred and something minutes left. I know, and I'm excited for it. We're only on minute six. Uh, yeah, boy. Yeah. All right, so it's Friday, and uh, we wanted to uh, make sure that we thank our patrons. Um, so this season, we have, uh, we've uh, finally launched a, a Patreon. So if you would like to uh, support the show, help keep the lights on here at Star Trek Minute, you can go to uh, 
patreon.com slash Star Trek Minute and uh, and sign up to be a patron. And uh, we've got a number of different levels you can sign up at. Uh, sign up at and um, depending on the level, uh, you can get um, you can get a thank you from us. And there's some other uh, stickers and other uh, surprises depending on the level you pick. Um, mm-hmm. And uh, one of those is that uh, we have a Patreon a patron list of people we want to thank, and we'll be doing that on Friday's episodes. Uh, so uh, it's still early days, mm. and uh, so we want to thank a couple of a couple of patrons: uh, Giraffe Bear and Vibrant Visionaries. That's Heidi Bennett at Vibrant Visionaries. So thank you guys for for your support, and um, um, yeah, thank you, <laughs> thank you, and. Uh, yeah, we will. Uh, I guess we're gonna wrap it up here, and uh, we'll be back again on Monday. We'll be talking about minute seven of Star Trek Four: The Voyage. <laughs> Did it again, man. <laughs> and we'll be back on Monday talking about minute seven of Star Trek Four: The Voyage Home here at the Star Trek Minute. Bye now. Goodbye. <laughs>